Hello everyone and welcome back to Podiums and the Paddock. I'm Katie and as always I'm joined by my bestie and co-host Carla. Hi! So Podiums in the Paddock is back after a pretty big um, gap between episodes which uh, you may have noticed. Um, <laughs> when we started this we were super excited, we were um, really keen to do um, a podcast but I don't think we fully realised the work that goes into it, that goes into recording, um, editing. Editing is always rough, especially when you laugh as much as us. (laughs) Um, Yeah, researching everything, coming up with new ideas. um, And so we kind of, you know, went into it a bit naively and then Carla went to Europe, I got a new job, we've both been sick on and off, um, we both study full time as well as work so it's really tough to make sure we're fitting it all in basically we've really fallen off the bandwagon with this and we're really sorry and to be honest when you've been away for a long time it can be really tough to find the motivation to get back into it because um you just know how much work is coming and you know we knew we'd have to do an apology and we didn't want to come back when we weren't fully ready um ultimately we both do love f1 we still talk about it for hours and We still happily wake up at ridiculous times to watch the races um, because we live in Australia. So, yeah, we are definitely still very passionate, but podcasting is something that's very new for us. And um, it can be quite scary putting yourself out there and trying something new. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was like one of the main things for me coming back, not even just the work that it takes, but putting yourself out there, doing something new, um, being prepared to fail is it's kind of a scary place to be but we you know when we started this we had really big dreams and goals for what we could do with this and we still have those so even though it's a bit scary and daunting and it's hard work we are back um we're going to be putting all our effort in to bringing regular episodes for the last few races of this season and continuing on from there as well yeah we're definitely not going to leave you guys hanging during the winter break that's for sure. So hi again to anyone who's listened before and a big welcome to any new listeners. This is Podiums on the Paddock and it's a podcast that's dedicated to both the new fans and seasoned enthusiasts of Formula One. So every week we bring you our top five stories from the Formula One news cycle um, and we call that the F1 Five. We also are putting out a Formation Lab episode where we explore a range of topics that help you get up to speed with the intricacies of the F1 world. And we explore a huge range of things like uh, legendary stories and controversies, technology and strategy. Um, And then we also are going to deep dive into drivers, races and teams that have shaped F1 into the global phenomenon that it is today. So it's all very exciting. It is. Um, Since we've been gone for a hot minute, we thought uh, this would be a little special episode. So it's not either of those types that Carla just talked about. We just thought we'd do a little welcome back episode. Uh, where we both chatted about two of our favourite stories that happened during our little uh, unplanned break. So, Carla, what was one of your favourite stories? Oh, it was really tough when I had to think about this because I feel like the season has actually been quite eventful despite the silly season being the least controversial maybe ever. Yeah, it was Um, hard to just pick two uh, oh. Definitely. Like, maybe we should have been doing the podcast the whole time <laughs> so we could have chatted about it. I know, I know. But 
we'll change it up in the future. It'll be fine. We won't slip again. Promise. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I know both of my stories are definitely affected by recency bias, but the first one I wanted to talk about was McLaren's resurgence because it has been crazy to watch. Um, Yeah, definitely. At the beginning of the season, McLaren were struggling more than they've ever done. Um, and they'd missed a number of the development targets that they'd set in the winter break. So the MCL60 was just not really where they anticipated it would be. And that was really sad because it was the 60th anniversary of the team's existence. Um, and I'm sure Oscar Piastri would have been freaking out that he left Alpine <laughs> at the beginning. Um, in the first race, I remember both Piastri and Norris uh, didn't finish. So... Yeah, it was looking like it was going to be a dark season. Um, that team has just had so many changes in terms of staffing. Um, you know, Andrea Stella was appointed as the team principal in early 2023. Um, and I know that Zach Brown has said that he regrets leaving it so long to make a lot of those staffing changes um, because clearly things just weren't working the way they should have done before. Um, so, yeah, it was also good because their wind tunnel, which they talked about for years, was finally finished in January 2023 um, after COVID had slowed it down. So I think people had had higher hopes for McLaren coming into the season um, and then they just weren't really hitting those expectations. Yeah, I remember all the um, early memes of how lucky Daniel Ricciardo was to have gotten out and how it was just a tractor and and I really didn't think they'd be able to turn it around that much. I know teams obviously do bring upgrades throughout the whole season, but when you saw how bad they were at the start of this year, it didn't seem like there could be any upgrade big enough to (laughs) majorly change their performance. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've seen teams like Haas struggle at the start of a season many years in a row, and then you see them go throughout the season. You don't really see that much change because at the same time as you're bringing upgrades everyone else is bringing upgrades too um but mclaren somehow have really turned it around because in austria lando norris debuted um some upgrades and then suddenly was coming fourth um after the two red bulls and charles leclerc's ferrari um and they basically fully revised the floor and so that was meant to work alongside the um, car's side pods And then they'd be inspired by the Red Bull and the Aston Martin, who were also performing at a crazy level. Mm. And then Silverstone, you saw even more changes. And Norris came second and Piastri should have come third, but came fourth. And just since then, the car has been flying. Um, It's widely regarded as the second fastest car on the grid, especially around the high-speed corners. So in terms of the driver's standing, Lando Norris is now coming sixth and Piastri is coming ninth. Um, And devastatingly for Aston Martin, they're coming um, fourth in the constructors. And, you know, if you saw at the start of the season, Aston Martin were absolutely slaying. You would have never thought they'd be beaten by McLaren at this stage. Yeah, yeah, you never would have guessed at the start. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, And that's definitely been my favourite thing to be watching this season and see all the podiums. I think Lando's got six and Oscar Piastri's got two and he's got a sprint win. So yeah, big ups McLaren. Very impressive. Yeah. It's been so good um, seeing Oscar, especially um, as an Aussie, uh, seeing him performing so well, especially in his rookie season has been really, really great to see. Um, Yeah. Which actually kind of brings me to one of my favorite stories. 
on uh, the theme of Australians, uh, Danny Rick being back has got to be up there as one of my favourites. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. It's, that was a, yeah. quite a shock. Yeah, I um, was so happy. Look, I feel really bad for Nick DeVries, obviously. Um, I think also just kind of how it was handled, where everyone was just so happy that Danny's back because he's so iconic. Um, yeah. Would have really sucked for Nick. But I think he's off. Uh, he went to Harvard for a bit. Yeah. And now he's he's going back to Formula E next year, I think. So, look, he got his chance, I'm sure. He's happy at least to have tried. But Danny Rick being back is so exciting. Um, I love knowing that there's going to be two Australians um, on the grid next year in Melbourne. That's going to yeah. be really awesome. I really thought that my chances of potentially seeing Danny Rick race were were gone. I didn't think it was going to happen. So I'm really happy. Um, I know there was a bit of a debate over if he should get the AlphaTauri seat next year, but I kind of see why they've made that decision. Um, he's an icon in the sport. Everyone loves him. Um, and so, yeah, that definitely made me very happy to see him back. Um, he hasn't done many races, obviously, because he broke his hand in his, I think, his second race back. Yeah, that was so race. Rough. Yeah, so then he had five races out, but he is back now. He just raced in Austin, which was this weekend. Um, and, yeah, it's just great to see him back. Honestly, he is one of my favourites, and I'm very excited to see both him and Oscar in Melbourne next year. Yeah, don't you think it's funny? I feel like everything that's happened with that seat has just felt like a fever dream. It feels strange to think that everything with Nick DeVries was this year. Yeah, yeah, I know. It honestly feels like it's been years worth of drama, which has occurred in honestly only a few months. Um, Yeah, they've really carried that silliness. Yeah, they they were probably the only silly ones, uh, but they (laughs) thought, well, if no one else is going to be silly this season, (laughs) we'll be extra. (laughs) Yeah, they were in the silliest of goofy moods. I bet the Drive to Survive producers are thanking their lucky stars that everything went wrong with that team because I don't think there would have been actually enough Drive to Survivable drama um, (laughs) without them. Yeah, exactly. They would have had to really make up some drama, which we know they are quite good at, but I think this season really would have tested them without a bit of AlphaTauri drama. So, yeah, that is what my one of my favourite stories. Carla, what is your second favourite? So my other favourite story also ties in with that one. We've actually Look at us. So many planned this segues. somehow. <laughs> yeah, so many segues. It's all um, flowing very nicely. Um, so, yeah, my other favourite story has been kind of seeing – how Liam Lawson has progressed throughout the season. Obviously, as we mentioned, Daniel Ricciardo had a broken hand after the Dutch GP. Was it in the practice or was it in? Yeah, um, yeah so it was in practice. And then AlphaTauri really had to scramble to find someone to fill that seat for the weekend. God bless little Liam Lawson. He's only 21. He stepped in at Zanvoort on the Saturday and had had no prep. The weather was rubbish. And I feel like everyone just was hoping and praying that he would get that car back in one piece, as Nick DeVries had never really been able to do, um, get the car back in one piece. You know, no one had ever even expected he would match Yuki or anything, but he came through and um, he came 13th and Sonoda came 15th. So I think uh, Liam Lawson this year has really put a lot of pressure on both Daniel Ricciardo and Yuki Sonoda, um, despite the fact that 
obviously it was those two that were selected to fill the seat in 2024. Um, but yeah, Lawson's had amazing results. You know, he came 11th in Italy, 9th in Singapore. So he got two points. Um, then he was 11th in Japan. And then Qatar was a kind of rubbish way to end. Um, he came 17th. But overall, he has done unbelievably well, especially considering not only a rookie, halfway through the season kind of rookie who had no prep, no testing, really. Um, and yeah, he's done amazing. I'm so impressed. Yeah. He he was doing such a good job, um, I think, even though he is from New Zealand, still have a soft spot for him, basically yeah. Australia. Uh, I do see kind of why AlphaTauri ended up going with Yuki and Daniel. I think they probably have a bit of trauma um, going for rookies that seem to perform really well when you put them in the car randomly, but then for some reason yes. uh, have a flop era. Um but I think we will definitely be seeing Liam Lawson driving uh, permanently very soon. I yeah. I think in the 2024 season he will be yeah. – sorry, 2025 season he will be on the grid permanently, which I can't wait to see. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. If he's not put on the grid in 2025, I reckon he's going to be trying to shop around and move to another team because someone is going to want him. Um, yeah. I know that there was interest in him as well. Um, but Red Bull only wanted to loan him out for one year. So I feel like that does give an indication of what their plans are for 2025. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's very, very exciting. But he is, yeah, he, I think he's also put a lot of pressure on Sargent, um, who only got his first points today um, <laughs> after the eliminations. <laughs> yeah, no, good on him. He's, but it's been a long time coming. And then it was also wild. I saw that um, Kevin Magnuson, who's obviously been around, for a really long time, the Alpha Tower is a way worse car. Well, not way worse, but it's equally bad as a Haas, really. Um, and a lot of the season, it's been considered worse. And yeah, K-Mag's only got three points and Lawson has two, which is wild considering the experience um, variation between the two of them. So Yeah, and the fact that K-Mag's driven every race this year and yeah, Liam so drove true. five. Um, it's actually so true. I didn't so even think about that element. Of imagine it, what yeah. he could have done with the whole season. Yeah. Um, well, my last uh, favorite story is uh, a few stories rolled into one <laughs> with the uh, F1 Academy. Uh, it's been really great seeing that. And I feel like they've made a lot of progress towards next year. There was a lot of obviously disappointment this year that none of the uh, races were broadcast. Um, at the start, they just did highlights, and people really wanted to see wanted to see it. They, you know, it's kind of what's the point of having this if you know to encourage women if <laughs> no one can watch it. Uh, kind of defeats yeah, the purpose. It's uh, random. But, I didn't even. I will never understand why they did that either. Like it's yeah. A well, I just thought it was interesting when you know you could watch F two races and F three races. Um, but you couldn't watch this. And obviously, you know, at least good on them. They've listened to what people are saying. So there's 10 races or seven. So the 10 or seven races next year. Mm-hmm. I didn't write it down. Uh, anyway, so they've announced the races um, for next year. They've also announced that there'll be um, each of the 10 Formula One teams, the seven races, 
They've announced the seven races for next year and they've announced that each of the 10 Formula One teams will have a livery of their team in those races, which is really exciting to see the backing from the Formula One teams. I think that uh, is, you know, even more encouraging to see them getting involved. Um, And all the races next year will be... um, before the Formula One races, so on the same weekend, which means you're obviously going to get those bigger crowds. Um, then that, the first time they did that was this weekend um, in America, and they're going to mm-hmm. stick with that thing, which I think you know makes a lot more sense. Obviously, people who are going to watch a Formula One want to watch as many races as they can. They've paid for their ticket, and yeah, you're just going to get more people. Whereas when they were kind of just in random tracks at random times, you're obviously going to get less people. So I think that's all really exciting and I think it's really going in the right direction. Obviously, you know, we'd love to see more support. I know Susie Wolf was saying um, how Lewis is a really great supporter of it, but he kind of seems to be one of the only F1 drivers who comes and meets um, the girls and and is really involved, and she was saying it'd be great if we saw other drivers doing that. So I definitely agree there, I think. It still needs more support overall, but it's going to be really exciting to be able to watch those races, um, be way more involved, and see um, all the F1 teams more involved as well. Yeah, for sure. I think as well, once there's uh, each of the teams giving a driver and having their livery there, I think there will just naturally be more promotion opportunities. And I feel like there'll be more drivers uh, making an effort because they will be more centered on being in the team. I definitely think it's a smart idea as well to be moving it to before the races, because it's just about, like you said, removing as much friction as possible um, to getting support. And there's been so little support for women in motorsport for mm. such a long time. So this is really exciting. It definitely is. Well, that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for listening to our little recap. We are super excited to be back. And as we said, we've got big goals, big dreams for this podcast. So definitely stay tuned um, for more consistency. We would really love it as well if you join us for our next episode, which will be our recap of the biggest F1 stories this week. And then later on in the week, you'll get our Formation Lab episode. Um as always it means so much to us if you show your support by following our podcast um, and following us on any of our social media pages which you can find in the show notes so thank you so much for listening Um, welcome back if you were listening before and welcome if uh, you are new here we will be consistent wonderful (laughs) podcasters from here on out and um, yeah we just love to have you guys along our journey because we are really determined to um, give a hundred percent to this, even though it's scary and hard, but we want to do it. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we will be back in your ears soon and consistently. Right. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.